What's up, y'all? So before we get on to this episode, I just want to let y'all know that if you hear any background noise, just know that me and Mindy are working moms. So we will have our kids and they will be pitter pattering in the background. I'm sure you hear my little one right now. But just bear with us. We're still working on audio things. You know, we new to this podcasting thing. I try to get better and better each episode. So just, you know, work with us. Still support us. And I also want to let you know that listener discretion is advised. Y'all know this is a true crime podcast, baby. So we're going to talk about crimes. And we're going to talk about crime scenes in great detail. So watch your kids so you know whoever around you because... Like I said, listening discretion is advised. Let's get on to this episode. And I just want to welcome y'all back to Crime Time with the Fine Dime. According to Amnesty.org, 169 people are on death row just in Alabama. They have carried out 67 executions since 1976, and one in nine people on death row have been exonerated of their crimes. So they have been able to prove their innocence, so we can't help but wonder who else is innocent and just don't know the resources they have. Well, I know of one for sure, so today on this episode we will be discussing the horrible murder of Ludie Mae Tucker and the wrongful death row conviction of Robin Rocky Myers. Hey everybody, I know it's been a long time coming, but your girl is back and she's better and I also come with a new co-host. Miss Mindy. Hey there. So this episode I'll be telling Mindy about a case that honestly often crosses my mind and keeps me up at night. And I hope she's ready and I hope y'all are ready because there are definitely ways you can help that we will discuss at the end of this episode. Alright, so before we discuss Rocky, we will have to first discuss the night of the murder of Ludie Mae Tucker. You know, she had that southern name. Cute. <laughs> southern name. So, Ludie Mae lived in Decatur, Alabama. And she didn't stay in the best neighborhood. And it was a lot of drugs and gambling. And, honey, that's the typical stuff you see in the hood. And, or you would imagine that's in the hood if you ain't never been there. But, <laughs> <laughs> like, a lot of this info I got from... Bailey Sarian on YouTube and first of all she said Decanter Alabama and not Decatur I just thought that was funny I would like, totally call it Decanter for real? Yeah. <laughs> that's how you can tell when people from the area or not but they could say it different in Alabama cause in like Atlanta area it's Decatur so okay. not too far off then yeah I don't know so could be right but <clears throat> from her I found out that the locals called this neighborhood Cracktown. So That's how bad it is. Right. Cracktown. So it was real known for drugs and you know, sometimes you just gotta stay where the rent is low. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're like by yourself, it's only one income coming in. Right. Like and the lady she stayed alone. So this particular night of October fourth, nineteen ninety one, Ludie Mae's cousin, Mamie Dutton, Spent the night at her house and she slept in like the spare bedroom. And <clears throat> around midnight, they both heard a knock at the door, which was weird. And because it was Ludie Mae's house, of course, she went to answer her own door. Mm-hmm. So 
Mamie stayed in the room, but she was able to peek out of a window. Maybe she was able to peek out of the door. I don't know. I probably wouldn't have cracked open the door either. I don't know. I wish I knew how the house was made. But she was able to peek out and see that Ludie Mae was talking to whoever through the blinds. And she didn't have her door open. But she said that the man sounded real agitated and upset. Because he got into a car accident and he needed to use a phone to call for help. So, Ludie Mae, you know, she she knows that she stays in crack town. So, <laughs> she's not about to just open the door for anybody she clearly didn't know. So, she was like, look, I'll call the number for you. Let me know because you ain't coming to my house. Period. And I don't know you. Never seen you. You look men are scary, right? It was just already. a bunch of bunch of alerts. Like, no, <laughs> you can't answer. You can't answer here. So, like, and Mamie, you know, she was in the other room, and she can tell that her cousin didn't know the man because Ludi Mae was like, "Look, you gotta hurry up," and she felt the need to tell him, "My husband is in the other room." Knowing it's just Mamie in the other room, and Mamie knows that girl, you ain't married. Why are you telling? So she was this trying person. to like defend herself by saying, yeah. there's someone bigger than me here. Right. Like, I have protection. Yeah. You know, somebody's here. And shoot, they say in the South, so usually a man has a gun. Yep. So, <laughs> she was trying, you know, make herself feel protected or let the stranger know that she has some sort of protection. So... Now, all of a sudden, Mamie hears Ludie Mae screaming like crazy, and the man runs into her room and stabs her in the side and just runs out of the house. And I could just, like, imagine the... I can't even imagine. What do, what do I mean? I can't even imagine, like, hearing the footsteps of this heavy man. of someone's I don't know coming. He, right. right. I don't know what he, what he did. I don't know what he did to my cousin. I don't know what he about to do to me. What's happening? <laughs> who, who Who is this guy? So, I don't know. I literally wrote in my notes, he hikes on spikes. <laughs> now, <laughs> so I know, you know, everybody is thinking, like, why didn't she run out and help her cousin? Like, you heard your cousin screaming, girl. Why didn't you just go out there and help her out? But she was paralyzed in fear and like I said it was a, a man so men are scary yeah. so <laughs> right so she but thankfully she was able to run out once the man left the house and she saw Ludie Mae stabbed multiple times like four times and the phone was still like clutched in her hand so her last moments she was able to call for help and the Police, they were able to come like real quick because they was like already in the area. I mean, it's correct town. <laughs> there was already a police presence. Right, right. Which is surprising because if it's a lot of police presence, why is it still crack town? You would think they'll be scared to sell crack. They just really didn't care at that point. I don't think so. They ain't really care. <laughs> but thankfully, you know, the officer was close and Ludie Mae was still alive at the time. But I'm sure she was like bleeding out. They had minutes, seconds probably to get the information they could get out. So 
Her and Mamie were able to tell police that the attacker had on the light colored shirt. That's all Mamie knew. Because he just poked her and lived. She didn't have time to see him. Right. No, his race or anything. She just didn't know. She just thought it was a man, a big guy, poked, light colored shirt, ran off. So, Ludie Mae was, before she died, she was able to give them the best description saying that he was short and stocky and he was a black male. And they rushed her to the hospital, and unfortunately, she didn't make it. Mm-hmm. One of her stab wounds pierced her heart, and they were just unable to save her. Aww. So little Ludie may died. All right, so now police go back to Ludie May's house to search and see what they can find, of course. So they weren't able to find much, but they were able to find enough. Like, they were able to notice that a VCR was stolen, and they were able to get a few prints, like even a partial palm print, too. Okay. So, they was able to get a little something, yeah. you know, some good evidence. All right, so now they're on the lookout for a VCR, like, you know, being in a drug-infested neighborhood, like, the it may be an addict that came across it or actually did the murder and you know they're gonna come up and try to sell the vcr or something right so it didn't take long because right (laughs) pretty quick (laughs) vcr let me go (laughs) see what's going on but instead of taking it to a pawn shop a man came to the police station and was like look i found this vcr at my sister's house no girl, and I didn't even get the name of the sister. I tried. I tried, but <laughs> I don't know who the sister was, but we do know that the sister lived pretty close to Ludie Mae. Like it was like a alleyway uh-huh. by her house and the alleyway covered like three blocks. And on the other side it was the sister's house that they found the so VCR. Three block radius. Yeah. Okay. Whoever the man was, his sister. I don't know her name. I don't know who couldn't find her name or nothing, but you know, she didn't really have too much to do with it. It was just it was just at her house. Yeah. Yeah. So her house was um considered like a, a shot house, which is where they like do drugs, drink, play music, you know. Gotcha. All those good vibes. So I know you're waiting for, you know, Rocky to come in. But, you know, bear with me. We got a lot of pieces to the puzzle. So, sister probably had, like, some coming and going. Mm-hmm. She had a lot of coming and going. Yeah. Yeah. So, back to the story. Oh, yeah. And I had to get, like, big props to whoever Bailey has on her team. If it's her or she pays somebody. But they can get the details. And I can't. And it just really irked my nerves because I was trying so hard. But I couldn't find nothing, girl. Nothing but, like, a quick synopsis of the case and, like, Rocky's story. That's it. That's it. I had to rely on, like, her and some other podcasts for my research. Huh. Yeah. But, okay, back to the story. So, <laughs> this man came and turned in the VCR to the police and told them where he had got it. And, of course, now they got a lot of questions. With, what do you mean, your sister's house? What's going on? So, and I forgot to tell you, like, this was literally the next day. It was soon after. Okay, 
how how did this guy know that this VCR was of importance? So, right, right. I didn't tell you, but the, I guess the police like put it out there. I mean, it was a small area too, so people talk. Okay. But I guess the police put it out there, like, look, they stole a VCR, you know, and you know they got to tell like pawn shop workers and stuff like yeah. that to be on the lookout. So they probably like put it out there, you know. Okay. So he noticed like. Ooh, a random new VCR in my sister's house. Maybe this is the ticket. So <laughs> he turned it in to, you know, see what was going on. And let me see. So, like I said, the lady, you know, she ran the shot house. Blues, drugs, liquor, good vibes. It's a party all the time at her house. Party all the time. All the time. I would get tired. I would too. Like, leave. Like, <laughs> go away. I need my space. Right. <laughs> Please let me recharge my social battery. Mm -mm. <laughs> so at the shot house, the guy that sells drugs there, so God is there all the time selling drugs. That's his spot. His name is Butch. So Butch has it in good with the cops. So he can sell drugs with no fear, like because the cops are just overlook it. They know who Butch is. They don't care, girl. Now, I don't know, child. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Some dirty cops, honey. There are them. Yes. Now, because he is known by the police and his little hot spot, you know, came up in the murder, they call him and him and his partner, friend, duffel bag boy, I don't know. <laughs> what he did, but he was called Road Runner and sound like a duffel bag boy to me. <laughs> so they went to the station to, you know, submit the statement or answer some questions, whatever. So they go down to make their statements and they were like, Look, this man named Cool Breeze. It's a lot of it's a lot of nicknames. Yeah. I don't know their real name. Cool Breeze. They known in the streets as <laughs> Butch Roll Runner and Cool Breeze. I don't know, girl. But they was like, this man named Cool Breeze came to my house last night with a VCR asking for drugs and he was sweating and shaking. But anxious. <laughs> so, it could have been withdrawals. I don't know, but it could have also been the fact that he attacked two women for a VCR. He could have been feeling some guilt, maybe? Right, right. I don't know. But anyway, now the police, they have a suspect. They have a lead. So, now they go looking for Cool Breeze. And now apparently everybody knows Cool Breeze. He's, his family is known in the town. He's known in the town. Everybody knows. And when they hear the word on the street, they like, Cool Breeze is a person of interest so he's a suspect in this murder case people start coming to his rescue weird but they start coming to his rescue and like a family friend called trying to clear his name you know saying like he he ain't nobody he ain't gonna do stuff like this like yeah he do drugs but he's not that crazy right i don't think he gonna kill a woman for some drugs but they try to clear his name and now let me see. Now they also say a lady. She said that she saw a person that matches Cool Breeze's description. Like I said, everybody knew him, so she was able to like name him. Like, look, I saw Cool Breeze run into the alley with the VCR in his hands, and he had on a white shirt. 
with blood on it. And this wasn't sending off red flags to anybody else? Nobody. Like, like I said, everybody knew him and somebody called to say he didn't do it. So now the police are like, well, Butch and Roadrunner said that he did it. So now we got to call them back, try to connect these stories. Like, is it true? Like, that he did it or whatever? So now Butch and Roadrunner, they come back to the station and they're like, look, all right, so it wasn't Cool Breeze. Yeah. They just completely changed their story now. Okay. Right. <laughs> right. It was like, it was a cool breeze. It was a guy named Rocky. So, like, I'm, I'm like, how, how you coming up with these random names now at this point? Right. Y'all just shooting off people names that you know do drugs at this point. That's how I feel. So, apparently, the reason they said it was cool breeze it's because Cool Breeze owed Road Runners the money. And they came up with the lie to get back at him, but it was really Rocky that did it. That's what they were saying to the police. Because they were trying to frame Cool Breeze to begin with. Now they're like, oh no, we're cool again. Like, mm-hmm. it actually was this Rocky guy. Right. Like, ooh, I pay, they paid me now. So yeah. let's, let's tell the truth. Air quotes. Heavy. <laughs> Heavy on the air quotes. But. Police now decided to get Rocky and question him. So now we'll get more into Rocky's life a little later, you know. But first, let's discuss like the questioning. The questioning made me sad, girl. Prepare to be sad. Okay. Prepare to be sad. <laughs> so now it's important to know that Rocky, he was an addict. He did, you know, crack was his drug of choice. And he was on probation for a drug-related crime already. So he wasn't supposed to be doing any drugs at all. But when they got him, they took a drug test. And, of course, he failed it. So now we can book him. You know, we can hold him and really question him on what happened with Ludie Mae and Mamie. But now, even though he had, like, run-ins with the law, none of his convictions were, like, violent at all. I was going to ask question. Yeah. Any violent convictions? None of them. It seems like most of them was just, like, connected to his drug use. Yeah. You know, nothing. He probably stole some stuff, probably, but he... It's like some petty theft in yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah, but nothing like beating up a person to get drugs or nothing. Nothing violent at all. So, now, like... We can get more into Rocky's background because it's very important to know his background, what kind of person he was. So, Rocky wasn't even originally from Alabama. He was from New Jersey. I know, far away from home, girl. Mm -hmm. But he was born into a very poor family, um, had a hard life. His mom started having children at the young age of 14. Yeah. She was just a baby still. A baby girl being raised with her kids. Yeah. Basically growing up with her kids. And his father was an alcoholic. So I guess he was probably abusive. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And according to Amnesty.org, when he was 11 years old, he was diagnosed with an intellectual disability. So he was, you know, on that spectrum of being disabled. 
and he was unable to read above an elementary level like above third grade level yeah and as he got older i guess he you know turned to drugs to kind of cope with it or you know get through life he had a hard life so yeah self-medicating he did however he got married he went on to have four children so his children and people that knew him said that even though he struggled with drug abuse he was still a nice man and he was still a great father like he didn't abuse them or treat them any type of way he just that was his vice just you know the drugs and <clears throat> all his family like really they just have nothing but love for him really like they just say he was a nice man he wouldn't do anything like that good man made bad decisions right right so they all lived in a house right across the street from Ludie Mae direct I can see you like straight across right Ooh, straight okay. across so I know got, got your radar on okay got your antennas <laughs> so they were close neighbors and like even if you didn't talk even if like you don't talk to your neighbors if you stay right across the street from them you kind of know them you know, you know a little bit about their okay. life. But the conversation was definitely with a man that she sounded like she didn't know, right? Exactly. Okay. Just want exactly. to clarify that. <laughs> right. Right. Because, I mean, I'm sure he'll be able to see, like, she never got a man over there. Yeah, she so by she herself. Would, he would have known that she didn't have a husband. She wouldn't have had right. to lie about that. Right. Right. So, now... Let me see where was I. So now, because he was a drug user, of course he knew to go to the shot house we discussed before, where Butch deals to get his drugs. That's that's the hot spot. Mm -hmm. So he was, of course, interrogated for the murder. It was unfilmed and unrecorded. So this is just. Allegedly, what happened in the interrogation room. So, yeah. So, we don't know for sure because, again, it was unrecorded. But, of course, they asked him about the murder and his drug use. So, Rocky didn't deny his drug use at all. Everybody knew he, did, he failed the test. Like, so, like, you, right. There was no point in lying. Right. So, he was like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a crack at it. And look, I had nothing to do with Ludie Mae's murder or Mamie's stabbing. They, they didn't have nothing to do with me. <laughs> so, <laughs> he also said that he didn't know Butch or Roadrunner. And he knew of a guy named Marzell. I know, another person. Throwing a at you. So, he knew this person named Marzell, which was Marzell, who was one of Butch's dealers under him so this apparently who he got his drugs from okay but so he didn't get his directly from butch mm -mm. okay apparently allegedly allegedly <laughs> so officers told rocky that marzell basically told on him and said he traded a vcr to butch for drugs so now rocky started to say like that he knew butch and roadrunner now like now all of a sudden i know butch and roadrunner and that he found a VCR in an alley and he used it to trade and that he still had no dealings with Ludie Mae's murder. Like, I, you know, I like, okay, okay. I lied about Butch and Roadrunner, but I still ain't have nothing to do with that lady right, dying. Right, just found this VCR. Right. 
So now they're like, they're trying to really like put some fear in him and like tell him he had to confess because he was looking at the death penalty and getting the electric chair. So of course this sent him over the edge and like really it put so much fear into him and this is the part that made me sad that he started to ask for his mama during the interrogation like begging and crying to see her and talk to her okay so during this investigation it's just officers they don't have he's got an intellectual disability they don't have anybody to help him out not like a public offender or public defender nothing like okay Mm -hmm. and i'm sure they took advantage of that like they probably saw that he wasn't like fully comprehending or understanding what was going on it seems like then it was unfilmed and unrecorded it seems like it was like feeding him stuff to say to make it he was probably hoping and praying that it would just go away if he just said what they they were using his disability and his fear to kind of get him to confess yeah that's what it seems like that's what i'm getting from it but so they had like they didn't have any hard evidence on him you know they had all the fingerprints and stuff and whatnot in the description his fingerprints ain't come up to match match? okay Mm -mm. so it was literally just what's the word speculation Mm -hmm. i guess like hearsay he said she said stuff and you know what i didn't write this down but my thing is y'all got mad at him for like switching up what he said about butch and roll runner but y'all didn't question butch and roll runner about they lie right they were just like oh you lied and right we'll just move on to this new suspect that right. you have but you know butch got it in with the police too yeah so oh no his, his little tight crew probably mm-hmm. does too it was yeah and it was probably the people he had on his payroll or whatever uh-huh. that was doing the interrogations. Girl. But they still charged him for the murder. So now we have to wait for his trial. So, at his trial, the prosecutors were, of course, saying, like, he was desperate for his next fix. And he was, like, so impaired on his judgment and you know going through withdrawals or whatever that he killed Ludie Mae and stole her VCR because he was just fiending and Butch wouldn't give him any credit so he had to come up with another way to you know get his drugs so now witnesses stated that Rocky did not have on a light colored shirt that evening so people saw him that night he was actually wearing black like opposite end of the spectrum like <laughs> nothing light on him just a black or brown outfit we now had three different people say light to white shirt mm-hmm. with blood on it yeah yeah so roll runner still testified that he saw cool breeze at the shot house that night with the white blood-stained shirt and he also said that the alleyway by Ludie may's house is a known stash spot so, like, it's likely that the person that committed the murder hurt the police sirens because they came fast and just, you know, threw the VCR in their stash spot and took off running. I'll come back for this later. Yeah. Yeah. So, let me see. When they, Like I said, when they saw the police in the area, they just got out of there pretty quickly. As quick as they could without being suspicious. And I also, I found this little tidbit of informa- information interesting. I'm sure you will, too. So, Rocky has, like, really bad eczema dry skin. 
horrible, right? Noticeably dry. <sighs> so if it was a struggle or a fight, like it would be some flakes Somewhere. of skin, of DNA, even under her nails or something in that area of Rockies to tie him to the murder. But they didn't find nothing. Okay. And like police noticed that he had like really dry eczema skin. So y'all just pushing it at this point. <laughs> to be real. Like, and like I said, the prince on the scene didn't even match Rocky. So So the only evidence that they actually had at this point was he said she said. Mm-hmm. And that he had a VCR and he tra- traded it for drugs. Yeah. That's it. And it was in the stash spot, so he could have just found it and got the drugs that way. Because everyone knew it was a stash spot. Mm-hmm. Right. It was known. So, like, Rocky did, you know, take the stand, too. And he said that day that he was actually planning on going out with some in-laws. And he bought the drugs from Butch, went home to smoke it, and then, you know, walked over to his in-laws. But they already left to go out, so they left him. That piss me off. Mm-hmm. Don't leave me. You asked me to go out with right. you. <laughs> Wait for me. Right. You could at least call me. You could have went by my house to see me. Because <laughs> I know they have like cell phones for real. But dang. You just going to leave me? And he was probably dressed up. You know, he was all, he's all black. Man, I'll be right. mad. <laughs> now look at me. Uh-huh. I'm on trial. And y'all could have just picked me up. And we went to the club together. Uh-uh. Girl. Oh, I would have been livid. But like I said, they left. He didn't see his in-laws, so he was going back home and like walking through the alleyway to get to his house. Cause like I said, he stayed right across the street from Louis May. So as soon as he hit the alleyway, he home. Uh huh. So he found he spotted the VCR in the bushes. That's what he said. He spotted it in the stash spot in that alleyway, and he went back to Butch because now he got a little some some to get him some more drugs. Right. So he used it for credit to get some more. So now, Marzell also took the stand and testified, he testified this girl, that what he actually said to the uh, police was not the truth about Rocky. He said that Detective Boyd, it was a detective, Detective Boyd, caught him driving a stolen car. And this detective told him that he could make this arrest go away if he said that Rocky committed the murder. Yep. So he did just that to save himself, you know, so he won't go to prison for a stolen vehicle. Right. My thing, but you traded a stolen vehicle charge for murder on some random person? Mm mm. <laughs> okay, so I guess when he saw what uh what Rocky was facing, he decided, you know, let me go ahead and tell the truth on his stands for real, because this man facing an electric chair. Right. So, you speak up now. Right. It's now or never. Literally. Now or never. So, this was even proving, like, that Marzell was being truthful on the stand. Like, it's still, like, even though they had no hard evidence, and the only thing that could possibly tie him to the crime was the VCR, he was still found guilty and sentenced to death for the murder of Ludie Mae. No evidence. Just. On a death penalty charge. Mm-hmm. So now let me tell you how he got this death penalty charge. Because he could have just got life. Right. Right. So, 
it's important to know that the jury had 11 white people and the other person, I don't know their race, not white, but the majority of the jury was white. And a few already referred to him as a thug and they were already like biased against him. So, and the few that said he was not guilty just couldn't convince, it was like three people that said he wasn't guilty, but they couldn't convince the other people that he wasn't so they had to like come to a common agreement so they suggested to the judge that he receives life with no parole so he can still live and have a fighting right. chance but the judge overturned their, their suggestion and sentenced him to death and I didn't know it was possible but at the time it was like it was legal for a judge to overturn a jury's decision but now it's not uh-huh. It's no longer legal, thank God. For reasons like this. Exactly, because wh what are you doing? And then I found out from, uh, I didn't write it down, but I found out from Bailey's um, show uh -huh. on YouTube that it was around election time. And it was supposed to be like tough on crime and the judges were like elected officials or whatever. So I guess this was the case to try to get him more votes you know like to try to show like i'm tough on crime yeah i'm gonna get you know yeah like no matter who it is we right. just throw the book at him <sighs> heavy heavy stuff so now it gets so he even was more set up for failure from the get-go from the jump he didn't have a fair jury mm -mm. he's got a judge who's got a point to prove he didn't stand a chance mm-mm None at all. And probably a legal team that was appointed to him. It wasn't his right. own, like, lawyer that he found himself. Like, again, he was poor, and then he had an intellectual disability. He, though, I don't think, I would be surprised if they gave him his Miranda rights. And he probably still didn't understand it because he has a disability. He don't know what's going on. Yeah. And they so. use that to their advantage. Definitely. So, years later... Rocky is in prison now and while Rocky's legal team was working on his appeal, Mamie came, you know, trying to help them out on the appeal and she was able to inform them that Ludie May told her earlier that day when she was at her house, you know, that she was about to stay the night that night, that she knew Rocky, like they saw Rocky across the street and you know, she gave her the idea, you know, like, I, I know him, you know, he he comes over to my house sometimes like a normal day a neighbor and asks for like a cup of ice or they know each other yeah clearly so he knew that she lived alone so remember Mamie her Ludie Mae tell her attacker that her husband was in the next room she wouldn't have told Rocky that cause no. he know like girl I know you the only one over there so <laughs> he wouldn't have he wouldn't have, like, that wouldn't have registered to him. That wouldn't have registered for her to say something like that. I'm not talking to him like she didn't know him. Right. Right. So, okay, Rocky had a lawyer working on his case, and we can guess that the man did him wrong. Clearly, because he's still on death row. Right. So, the lawyer was named Earl Schwartz. How do we pronounce that? 
and he was working on his case for over five years trying to get appeals approved. Right. He was working on it for a long time. Yeah. And the one he filed for in 2003 was denied. The appeal was denied. But there was still hope because Rocky's lawyer had now filed for a habeas petition. I had to look it up because I don't know what that means. <laughs> but a habeas petition, according to good old Webster, is a writ for inquiring into the into the lawfulness of the restraint of the person who is imprisoned or detained in another's custody. So I guess. It's a way to, I mean, because like an appeal is an appeal on the first case, so it's a way to like help prove his innocence, like his case wasn't handled properly, right. I guess. But, um. Because we know it wasn't. Not at all. They definitely dropped the ball on it, for sure. So, let me see. So I feel, I feel as though like his innocence with this petition would be like easy to prove. Mm -hmm. So. Because they had no physical evidence on him, and the surviving victim was ready to testify that she know that it wasn't Rocky that stabbed her or killed her cousin. Like, they was prepared. It would have been an easy, I feel like it would have been an easy win had they had the right, you know, jury and jury and stuff like that. People on the side. Right. So, Rocky is sitting on death row. Believing that his lawyer is working hard for him and doing everything he can, but no, 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 he's not. Mr. Schwartz, they got a new job. <laughs> yeah. He's just gonna leave him high and dry like that. Yes, <laughs> he got a new job and another farm, a firm. He just gone. And left Rocky high and dry, didn't inform him, visit him, tell him nothing. And just let his deadline, because it's a deadline to, mm -hmm. you know, get these appeals going, especially the habeas petition. It's like a, a short window. Right. But he just let it pass on. He just let it go. So, he got a letter. He didn't know what was going on, but he eventually got a letter with some information. But remember, he could read on like a third grade level. So, he didn't really understand. First of all, I barely understand legal talk. I don't know. That's not my area of expertise. So, I know he was probably struggling, for real. So, his friend in prison, I guess like his cellmate, mm -hmm. like read the letter to him and you know, try to help him understand what was going on with his case. And he told him, like, good, your lawyer left you high and dry. He's gone. There's He's no gone. Left. He's no longer working for you, and he failed to tell you, and he failed to mention that a deadline has passed. Now you have a execution date. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We have stakes now. Yeah. But thankfully, his cellmate was a good friend, good solid friend, because these people um, at the Equal Justice Initiative was working on his case already, trying to help him out. And he was like, look, we're going to call these people and tell them about your story and hopefully get you some help, too, because they're helping me out. Maybe they can help you out. Right. So, Equal Justice Initiative, they swooped in, and now... They're trying to, you know, save the day and prove his innocence and get him out. Because, I mean, he deserves to enjoy the rest of his life outside of prison. 
So they try to get his Hades petition approved even though the deadline passed. They were still trying to like plead his case and tell them like, look, Rocket didn't know his lawyer dropped him. Like he was, right. he thought his lawyer was he working hard for him. Valid representation. No, he didn't know about a deadline. He probably didn't even know about a habeas petition. Mm-mm. I clearly had to look it up on Webster. Like he right. didn't know what the heck was going on. But they didn't budge. They said he should have kept up with his own case. <clears throat> yeah. They just don't care. Scary. Very. He didn't have any type of representation to help him out. Mm-hmm. They just expected him to become an attorney overnight. Right. So now, like, they only have one option. The last option that we're discussing now. That's going on now. And that is for the governor of Alabama to grant him clemency. That's the only thing they could do. No more appeals. None of that. They just have to put all their eggs in this one basket and hope and pray that she'll finally come to her senses, sign this clemency, and let him out. So, I literally Googled um, Governor K.I.V. and clemency. That's literally what I typed in in Google to see if she ever granted it or have anything to do with it at all, you know. The only thing that came up was she never, like, it never came up that she approved a clemency or, you know, gave anybody clemency. Mm-hmm. But it definitely came up that she denied it for somebody that died. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that inmate was, like, solid guilty. I don't know. Right. But we know Rocky is innocent, so you had the time to deny somebody else's, but you ain't got the time to read over this case and give this guy that's clearly innocent his time out. Like this is a man who is about to be put to death. Right. Over he celebrated his sixteenth birthday in death row. Like he's been there forever. Most of nineteen ninety one, but thirty some years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thirty years. Over thirty years now. So let me see about Miss Kate Ivy. I just want to, I had to write it down, girl, because I was like, I just got something to say to her, like she gonna listen. But it don't matter because I'm gonna say it because maybe it'll get in the right hand. Right, and she'll be able to hear it. Right. So I just want to say this to Miss Kate Ivy. We know that she was caught. We know that you were caught doing blackface. Yes, girl. <sighs> Scandalous. Scandalous. I didn't hear about this. Yes, girl. It's like on Google. Like you just type in her name and it is up there. It's up there. No problem. Quick, easy find. She was called doing blackface back in her college days at Auburn University. Yes, ma'am. And she tried to say that she didn't remember doing it. Girl, of course she didn't. <laughs> Miss girl. <laughs> Miss girl, you remember. You remember. You remember that you, you did blackface. That's not something you forget. I don't care how long ago it was. And then it was your college days. Baby girl, you remember. You remember your college days. Come on now. Don't don't act like that. So you know, they, they brought this out in Front Street about her and she was like she wanted to prove to us 
that she's a better person than that and she's not racist. So, now we're gonna call you out. Prove it. Like, go ahead and do the right thing. Grant Robin, Rocky Myers, that's his whole name. A father, a kind man, like, really did nothing wrong. He just, his vice was drugs. That's it. He didn't do anything, like, to hurt anyone else. He was hurting himself. He wasn't hurting nobody else with his drug use. That was on him. He didn't kill anybody. It's proven that he didn't kill anybody. And all you have to do is grant him clemency so he can, like, spend the rest of his days with his children, his now grandchildren. They never seen him outside of those prison walls and enjoy the time he got left. That's it. So like and I read another article that Rocky is now at the point where he is tired of begging for his life. Like he just accepting his just fate. Give up. Yes. Don't give up, Rocky. I don't know. But thankfully, he has a legal team now that is, you know, working very hard for him. This Equal Justice Initiative people. Yeah. They still on it. They still on it trying to get things going for him. And, um, you know, like like I said, with his disability, he had to put his full trust in these people. He can't read nothing to help them out. He can't keep up with his case. These people got to keep up with his case. And he just got to put his full trust in these people. And thankfully now, he has a good team on his side just trying real hard to you know like that hopefully he can trust to help him right, get justice right, right hopefully it's a, so far so good on the organization now um let me see because his lawyer said something specific to him because like i said he was tired of begging for his life he was ready to like give up but his lawyer said and i quote he was in luck because I would be doing the begging for him and it didn't bother me. So he was like, you can stop if you want to, but I ain't going to stop for you. You're going to keep on going and, you know. So keep he's on got some people in his corner now. Right, right. Like somebody that like really care for him for real, like want to get him home, truly. But now we could get on to like what we can do to help him i've already signed it twice i signed again but <laughs> they have a petition out for him so you can actually like sign a petition to get some more you know i guess eyes on his case mm -hmm. and like more, more publicity people. yeah more yeah. people to like put that bug in k ivy's ear which is already in her ear miss girl you know you know you know quit playing Stop playing with us. You know what's going on. But I will post like the the link to the petition like in the show notes and everywhere on social media, the Facebook group, my personal page. Well, well, we gonna post this because people need to sign it. <clears throat> Get the ball rolling. But that's the case. That's the heavy, heavy case of Robin Rocky. Myers and how Kay Ivy can really make a difference with it if she just takes the time to look at it. Yeah, that's all she gotta do. So, Miss Mindy, how do you feel, girl? You got something to say about it? That was a lot to unload. There was right. a lot of information, a lot of missing pieces that I'm like, really, this is what y'all went off of. My right. mind is blown, right.
It is. And like, even like eyewitness testimonies, don't get me wrong, they're not like very trustworthy, but to have that many people saying the same thing, saying the same thing, and that many people telling you like how corrupt this place is, come on. Come on. And then I don't know, like, I don't know about Cool Breeze. I don't know if he did it. I don't know. But, you know, more than one person said you did it, homie. More than one person seeing you in Maybe a white we shirt. we could have questioned him a little bit more. A little bit more? <laughs> like, y'all just heard, you know, Butch and, what was his name, Roadrunner come yeah. back and say, look, we lied. Okay, so, y'all not going to question like, him? Game over. We're done right. talking about Cool Breeze now. Like, how much pull does Butch have? <laughs> He got everybody, everybody in the police station. That should tell you that their system is crooked to begin with. That they are in that close with a known drug dealer and they just kind of breeze over everything that he does. No pun intended there, but. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good one. I can't. <laughs> they just girl, they just landed slipped through cracks. They so, are. I wonder if it's still corrupt like that. Cues any days, girl. Cues any days. Yeah. I need to know. I need to know. But all I got to say before we, you know, end this discussion is the governor K. Ivy, do what you need to do, girl. Make it happen. She is still the governor. Old as heck. That's a real cotton ball head. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> come on, this girl. Sign these papers. I feel like all she... I don't know. I ain't never been the governor. Yeah. But I feel like all she ought to do is literally sign something. Yeah, just That's it. Be done. You can probably stamp your signature on it. I'm sure you got and a signature. And literally stamp. save a person's life. That's it. Then we know it's innocent. Mm-hmm. But she ain't doing it. I think she really just got reelected. I just, I remember driving by, like, seeing one of her signs, like, campaign signs. Hmm. Like, not too long ago. It could have been old. Mm. But she's still in office. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. I don't know if an election's coming up soon or not. It was a while ago. I was like, it was like, who was voting. Yeah. Yeah. But that's it. Well, we're going to end it, y'all, before we keep rambling on and it turns into an hour. It's already, like, 40 minutes. So... <laughs> Peace and love. Y'all be safe. We're going to end it today and we'll talk to y'all next time. Bye.